So what, you just want to turn it up. Stapleton and Man on the White Horse. <laughs> yeah, I was saying, he, he was a writer in Nashville for years. Was he? I feel like yeah, a lot of, that's how, just... I feel like that's how a lot of great musicians start off as writers. The ones that are successful, yeah. I mean, but he was somebody, they were just like, listen, you gotta do your own thing. You gotta perform, you gotta you got to get out there. And if yeah. you remember, remember he did the national anthem at the last yeah. Super Bowl? He did the Star Spangled Banner. People had fucking was, tears in their eyes. The, yeah, the coach of the, what was it, the coach of the Chiefs? No, uh, the, the Eagles. Eagles, one of those. Yeah. The Eagles coach? Well, they played each other. It's 50 yeah. 50 shot. <laughs> but he, you got it wrong. Yeah, tears. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. The coach for that team that was in the Super Bowl? Yeah, there goes a jelly He's roll to fucking face tats. This guy, yeah, he just straight off of his straight bed. out of Compton. Dude, this guy, <laughs> like, he's another one, man. He had a great interview on Joe Rogan's podcast. He was talking about how his upgrading, he didn't come from anything. Yeah, I and... heard it. So I, I know nothing about his music. All I know is I've seen either. him. Yeah, like just I've... a couple songs that are on the radio. I, I I couldn't even fucking name one even in a lineup of one to be to be quite honest. But no, I just like just like kind of see him like him passing through his social media and shit like that. I did see a clip of him saying that he really came from nothing and that he's made this made himself out of something. So yeah, it's great. Uh, I mean, yeah he 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 did time. He mm-hmm. did time in prison and got out and you know it wasn't perfect, but. He ended up with his girl. I guess his girl was a stripper who I, I guess would moonlight apparently. And like he was, because he, he made the joke. He was like, look, we got an ex-con and a former prostitute who figured it out. Jesus. And he went on to say, like he was telling a story about how, you know, he he's made it right. This dude's loaded, million dollars, millionaire. Uh-huh. And he went to buy this dream house in the community, gated community. And... I guess one of the provisions, I might have told this story before. One of the provisions was he had to be a member of this this golf course. The, the, uh-huh. the community was on the golf course. And, you know, the realtor, he was ready to close. He was ready to buy the house cash. Uh-huh. You know, who dreams? You know, not even, went from nothing, never mind skipping over like mortgages. He's going from maybe having a rent to now this guy's buying a house cash. <clears throat> and, yeah. and they tell him, they're like, listen, it's not going to work out. You're not, uh, you're not going to be there. They're not going to let you into the, the, the country club. So you bought it. <laughs> no, he ended up sadly. I mean, that community would have a little bit more money than he did, but yeah, they, they told him, listen, you're, they're not going to allow you into being a, a member of this country club because of your, your felony. And that's when they kind of got into the, the, this rabbit hole about how, you know, when just because your, your sentence is done and you paid your debt to society, you know, yeah. air quotes, 
I mean, that, that your, your sentence isn't really over. I mean, once you have a felony, your, your life is pretty much, yeah. you know, you're very yeah. limited. You're very limited. And John Stewart, um, has the show it's on, what is it on Apple, Apple TV. Yeah. Problem with John Stewart. And he had a whole episode that was basically geared towards the prison industrial complex and how he had this guy on it and he was very knowledgeable and it was a great episode. And he was talking about how, you know, like in some States, obviously it's not geared towards this one specifically, but a lot of the things fall into place. And it's just hundreds of provisions that you're just not allowed to do once you have a felony on your record. I mean, he's somebody who is, you got out, you know, he, I think it was like an assault, some kind of assault charge or burglary or something along those lines. You know, when he was young, like late teens, ended up mm-hmm. with this felony, got out when he was in his mid twenties, made a life for himself. He's in his late thirties, early forties, whatever, became successful. He's an activist and, you know, he's a, he's a white collar guy now. And, you know, him and his wife, he said, there's a significant age difference between him and his wife and she can't bear children anymore. So they wanted to adopt. And because he has a felony on his record, he can't adopt regardless Jesus. of how much he's changed his life around. He's a felon. And now he's yeah. got Scarlet Letter and he's never going to be able to do that. You know, and that's the thing, right? I mean, former felons, you know, you, you want to say that they paid their, their debt to society. And I know this is a strange argument coming from somebody who works in the line of work that I do. But, you know, uh, it, a lot of people are typically, you know, lock up, throw away the key. But I, I, there's a part of me that does believe that, you know, I mean, once your sentence is complete and we should be washing our hands of this and there's no reason that somebody who had, if you want to say that, yeah, you know, this person paid a debt to society, like, why can't they vote? Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe there should be some provisions like for maybe gun laws. I mean, if somebody was in there for gun charges after a certain amount of time, maybe, you know, guns aren't really in their future. They shouldn't really have those, but some of the things like voting or just, you know, living your life, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, and I, at the same time, I think we have to, you know, we have to look at it and say, uh, you know, what are we doing to try to make these people productive members of society once again? I mean, right. I, I can't imagine that every single person in prison, you know, does not regret what they did. And wishes that they didn't do that and wishes that circumstances were better. And I'm sure a lot of them are, and you can tell me, but better because you're, yeah, you're yeah, in that no, sector I mean, of life, but I can't imagine all of them say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm, I'm a criminal for life and I'm, I'm just going to keep doing this no matter what. I can't imagine anybody wants to go through years of living in a fucking prison and saying that that's the place that they that they belong for the rest of their life. No, and I think a very good, a vast majority of those people that are in those situations, they were kind of never given an, a fair shake at life to begin with. You know, a lot of them come from broken homes, single parent households, if they even had a parent, you know, uh, maybe they had a parent that was a drug addict, you know what I mean? And that, that all lends to, you know, the product that they end up putting forth, you know, what kind of kid goes to school. And it's crazy, you know, because you've got kids in school. I've got kids that are, you know, they're in school and you're hearing some of the stories and some of it, I mean, kids are sponges and it's mm-hmm. funny the things that they'll tell you without really knowing that they told it. And it's funny because my, my, my girl's her mother was, she's just telling the story. Like my, my girlfriend, she's one of three, all girls. 
and mm-hmm. she used to say how like she used to sit at the kitchen table not say a word and just listen to the kids talk and she would know everything about what's going on in school <laughs> but oh, with that's that, great yeah weekly poison gonna be the same yeah Probably. same hair it's funny we're on like different ends of the spectrum here it's like this is so sugary and just like candy-esque like it's got that, you know, you take off the, the cap and like you feel that like layer. You could feel of, the sugar falling from it. The layer of sugar. <laughs> like lubricant. Yeah, I still got this bottle of Buchanan's. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've missed scotch for a while, so I guess uh, it's not a bad thing. It's obviously it's got a more pungent taste than than any bourbons. Well, not all bourbons. I can't say that. Uh it's got a more pungent taste than most of the good bourbons. Let's put it that way. But uh, it's good to to change change it up. So, so like that the description oh. is a pungent. It's a pungent taste. Yeah, you know, it's, it gives you that that remember that that bitter bear face back in uh, I mean, not that bad. Let's put it that way. Keystone. What was it? Yeah, Keystone Light. Yep, yeah, exactly. Their faces were basically inverted after they took a sip of it. Yeah. Anyway, salute my friend. Salut, my friend. Yeah, we got so some. Uh, we got a bit of breaking news. Uh, just got a got a tweet from, not directly at me, but, um, or I, I got an I saw an X pop up on my phone. Um, Chad Pergram, uh, I think um, he's a correspondent for Fox News. It says all house office buildings locked down, no exit or entry due to pro-Palestinian demonstration on Capitol Hill. From the U.S. Capitol Police, all house buildings, significant demonstration activity, no entry or exit is permitted at this time. You may move throughout the buildings. Well, so we got some serious shit going on in uh, in D.C. Specifically, what I saw earlier was that there was basically rioting right outside the the Democratic National Committee headquarters in dc from this pro-palestinian group i can't imagine that there are not rabble rousers in that crowd from previous rioting that we had from just a couple years ago isn't it funny that this would be like chances are i mean and and we could get into this i mean just yesterday we had the 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 israeli support if you will rally that, that was in dc yeah there's a couple I added to our little list here, and one of them was just uh, was Fetterman, the little little blurb. If you if you have Fetterman yeah. here, and there's a link here, just talking about how Fetterman was spotted wrapped in an Israeli flag at DC rally, and Jews hating it leftists are not happy. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it's crazy to me because it's almost like this is the complete, like this is. The left's January sixth, if you will. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a milder version, but I mean, when you have oh, I don't know. I think federal, you get a hell of a lot. This worse. is still There's... early. This is still early. Exactly. <laughs> we're we're but, still like in pregame warmups at this point. But isn't it crazy? Like how? I mean, these people are going that they're they're feeling that much vitriol, where. They want to take over a building or surround a building. I mean, they're doing it for a reason, right? What's the end goal? Like, you're going to surround the building. What, what's what's next? Like, we just went to the building to just gather and then disperse. Like, there there has to be a goal here, if you want to say yeah. that. But it's just, it, it makes me wonder, you know, the, the support. I mean, 
and it's like we've talked about before. So uh, there's there's the idea to be supportive of the Palestinians, but then by doing so, I think you, to, to take that angle, I think there has to be some combination towards Hamas, right? I mean, of course, it can't just be this like, which seems like this is what these protests are kind of geared towards, just like pro-Palestinian and, you know, what the Hamas thing never happened. Like, it's it's strange and uh, for for people that really don't understand the history or the, or the geopolitics in that region of the world and, and i'm not i'm i'm no expert in this area by any stretch of the imagination but i do tend to know probably a little more than the average american when it comes to this um it, there are no countries in the middle east that give any sort of unequivocal support to to palestine the only country that really does is the one that everybody else hates, which is Israel. Um, anytime you see any sort of support toward Palestine from other Middle Eastern countries, it's usually in opposition to something that Israel has done. It never has anything to do with anything else independent of what Israel does. It's never some sort of genuine support for Palestine. Um, what I was told by other Middle Eastern people from different countries in the region is that these are plainly these other countries really could give a shit less about Palestinians. But the thing is, is that because they have a common enemy in Israel and in Jews worldwide, uh, they basically, you know, take up arms with, you know, because they have a common enemy in Israel. So it's almost like one of those things is the enemy of my enemy my friend or my enemy. And in this case, you know, you could insert um, whatever country names you want in the Middle East. Um, like if you're Iran, you say, uh, if Palestine is the enemy of Israel, are they my friend or my enemy? And in that case, it's always going to be, they're your friend because you have a common enemy in Israel. So for these protesters to basically just go out here and not condemn with what Hamas has done and just say pro-Palestine and be completely against Israel just really goes to show the level of anti-Semitism. And, and it's, it's really, it, it really just comes down to, they just want to eliminate Israel off the, off the face of the earth and all Jewish people. And again, this isn't, this isn't anything new. This is nothing that started from 1948 after World War II, when Israel was founded as an independent company. This has been going on for millennia since biblical times. This is nothing new and it's nothing that'll ever go away anytime soon. No, it's not. And, you know, it's just like you said, it's, I, this is how bizarre it is though. I mean, you have Chuck Schumer, who's who's going now, and he's staging, sharing the stage with with a, a pastor, John Hagee, who's made a number of anti-Semitic statements in the past. And this has been checked out by Snopes, who's typically very left-leaning, you, you uh -huh. think, in some occasion. And it's chucked out to be true. And, I mean, the protracted off and bloody it broke out in a hot war on October 7th. And this is another thing. Did you see uh, Chuck Schumer's speech when he was, you know, when he was, uh, when he was stumping at, at this, uh, no at this rally no he was talking about the invasion the hamas uh invasion and he was saying and on you know i remember on january 7th and this and he's going on about it and i was like wait did nobody click like this didn't dawn on anybody like he said january 7th 
and, and I ended up listening to another news source and they actually pointed it out as well. I was glad to see that they acknowledged it. They're like, yeah, Chuck Schumer is so used to say, talking about the July or the January 6th insurrection yeah. <laughs> that he can't even get this straight. But this is like, he's talking about how he, he was the highest uh, official of Jewish descent that's ever held office in you know, was standing by Israel. But the thing, you know, I mean, to, to be with somebody who's made anti-Semitic report, remarks before, which include, I mean, talking about how, where is this, talking about how ICE must be destroyed, which is unrelated. But mm -hmm. he was, uh, he, he's made statements for, as I was trying to find it before, uh, basically about, you know, um, along the lines of the Jews being wiped off the map. and Jesus. Yeah. And he was at this rally? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he took the stage. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, some of uh, some some of the speech excerpts that I've seen were a little, little awkward. I mean, there was one individual that was up there talking about how you know calling for a ceasefire, and that's one of the crazy things about it, right? I mean, you see people that they want the ceasefire because they want, you know, they. They want to lend some credence to the fact that maybe, you know, by hosting a ceasefire, maybe Hamas will be true to their word and they will release some of the hostages. Maybe unlikely, but maybe. I mean, it, that's the thing. If you have a loved one that's that's held hostage, right, you want every avenue to be exhausted, and this happens to be one of them. I mean, say it was your uncle or, or somebody like that, you know, what, what kind of position would you be in? Like, what stance would you take? If if they were saying you know there's a ceasefire, we'll let your your relative go. I mean, I, I feel like at this stage of the game, like, all right, you've inflicted damage. Go ahead, like you guys have went tit for tat. You guys kind of both both went you know you went off the rails here, and uh, maybe we could reel it back in a little bit. Maybe you could give it a chance and see if any of these hostages get negotiated. But then there's the other point that's just like you know, I. Yeah. The, the, the I mean, Borlands. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> I mean, if it, if I was in that situation where I had a family member that was kidnapped by Hamas, and I, again, I mean, let's be realistic. You don't know at this point if they're alive or dead. I mean, I don't think anybody really knows at this point. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we touched on it last week. I mean, you'd like to think that at that point they're there would be some proof of life because if there wasn't, I feel like there would be an argument to say like, listen, they're killing them anyway. Why are we going to have a ceasefire? Yeah, exactly. But I don't think mm -hmm. we've seen any of that. Mm -mm. No, we haven't. Um, and at the same time, I mean, you have to, well, people have to understand is that, uh, you know, a ceasefire is really, you know, two, two nation states that are at conflict with one another that, you know, are civil, you could say somewhat civil, you know, in the context of war, what exactly does civil actually mean? Um, but it, it, I feel like there's no civility to this conflict at all anyway. No, no, there isn't. And, and it's, and it's, that's what happens when you're dealing with with terrorists they they have no there's no ethics behind what they do and not to say that you know we'll say germany was a nation state back in in world war ii obviously they have defined borders they have you know 
there's a nationality. Um, so there, there was some adherence to rules of engagement or rules in a war, I guess you could say. When, when Germany surrendered, there was a formal, there was a formal meeting, I guess you could say, between the two sides, between the allied forces and, and Germany. They, the commanding officer sat with one another. They discussed the, the terms of the surrender. Uh, and, and that was that. And then the conflict ended between the two. When you're fighting terrorists that know no borders, they wear no uniform, they have no, no morals, no ethics, nothing whatsoever, adhere to no sort of, hum, no sort of human rights, um, or, you know, re really don't care about civilians in terms of what happens to them whatsoever. You're dealing with an enemy that's significantly worse than the Nazi Germany. I mean, everybody wants to talk about, you know, how bad Hitler was and all that other stuff. But even with the, even with the Nazis, there was some structure to what they did. There was, there was, I, I don't know how to explain it. There was some sort of ethics behind there, some sort of morality. There was, it was almost like there, there was pride in what they did and they realized we lost the war. We did like a lot a, of fucked up things. Like a gentlemanship too. Exactly. Conflict. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas it's almost like dealing with a terrorist organization, you're just, you're just dealing with constant fucking cheaters that don't give a shit about anything. Yeah, I mean, when you see people are using human shields, that's, that's yeah. the thing, you know, and, and that's one of the things that came up in the conversation, and and that's just that, you know, sometimes hostages are getting moved around, and a lot of times what you're seeing when, you know, how often, I mean, I don't know what you follow, like, maybe I got a crazy-ass algorithm on, on Instagram, but on Popular Front, you're seeing all these videos of just vehicles that are just getting hammered with missiles. Yeah. Just because they're moving, that's, that's really, a, you know. Yeah, you would think that that's the only information that they had, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, now they're showing, you know, inside of a hospital that was allegedly blew up. Is that the same one? Yeah, it was allegedly the the one that they were saying the Israelis bombed and everything. Now they're going in there and finding. Which never happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like it was deemed to be like a munition that hadn't gone off, and then it had gone off or something like that, or. Yeah, it was it was a you rocket know, a guy with a rocket propelled grenade, like walking around the perimeter at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what the, what the fuck's he going to use that for? Uh, a, a, a colonoscopy? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, explosive diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for I lack of better I, description. Yeah, there's, it's a lot, man. It's a lot in. Yeah, it, it absolutely it, it and I mean I don't know these these people that are that are sympathizers with Hamas as being freedom fighters or something to that effect. Listen, you you want to talk about some of the some of the geopolitics between Israel and, and Palestine and what's happened over the past whatever seventy to eighty years? Okay, I get it. I mean, I, you know, like people want to talk about you know the wrongs that that America has done over time throughout the world. I get it. I'm not I'm not going to. I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, but you're talking about the governments. You're not talking about the actual people. When you when you bring death and destruction upon civilians with 
you know, completely indiscriminate death and destruction upon civilians, all bets are off for what your cause is. It's that simple. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it, but I mean, people have to understand that. Yeah, and then, and then they wonder why Israel gave the gave the response that they did. What did you expect them to do? I would have done the same thing. I, mean, I would have done worse. I mean, if you look back 20 years, remember when there was the invasion in Iraq, we had a mission that was called shock and awe, where we just went in there and we just fogged shit up. <laughs> uh-huh. you know, so what was our response then? And nobody said anything about that. Yeah. Yeah, you know. exactly. I don't know. But one of the biggest things that just the ripple effect that it has in like a worldwide span, like, so now we're talking about the roughly $2 billion that we usually give in defense funding. Um, excuse me. We're... They're calling for a $2 billion increase on top of the 3.8, which we already give Israel per year for their defense funding. Yep. Now, on October 20th, President Joe Biden had sent Congress a formal request that he won seven times more than that for Israel, $14 billion. Jesus. So you have a president who, Hawaii happened under his watch. Hawaii was being burned to the crisp. You know, people are still without homes out there, struggling to find a way to to recreate their their homes. And you know, you got companies trying to step in where it requires political intervention to make sure that they're not able to just swoop in and, and take the land that was burnt uh-huh. to make resorts or whatever it is that they want to do. And meanwhile, we're just we're funding this war, and we have our own citizens that are just that are left out in the cold. Yeah. It, it's sickening. It's sickening. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why this doesn't become more of a talking point. I mean, is, is Hawaii not one of us? Apparently I mean, not. You know, we're, we're, we're in the middle of, well, we're, we're kind of coming to the end. We've had a pretty mild hurricane season. I think it's coming to a close. We're pretty much at the point where now we're going to start looking yeah. at blizzards, right? Yep. But nor'easters and, <laughs> I mean, who knows what kind of damage that could you know, the cost of, of what snow removal will cost over the course of the winter or whatever that may be. But I mean, how are we not taking care of our own people? I mean, this, this question comes up so often. Why are we not supplementing, you know, meals for children? Why is, why is childcare so expensive? Why is, why is so much that our own citizens have to pay for? Why is it such a, why are we dealing with just such high inflation? But yeah, we could just shell billions of dollars to to another country. And I get it. You know, we want to have humanitarian efforts. But that's the part that I get. I get humanitarian efforts. If you want to shuttle, shuttle over you but know, it, it really... of water and, and food and MREs, if that's something that you want to provide, then then great. Because like we said, a lot of these people are kind of caught in the crossfire, like the Palestinians mm-hmm. we were just saying. But, you know, when it's when it's going, it's easy to read between the lines because we're funding you know, the military industrial complex over there, uh-huh. which of course is going to, you know, raise the bottom line of investors over here. If you may be, you know, investing in a Raytheon or Lockheed Martin or Boeing or, or, uh-huh. or so on and so forth. Yep, exactly. Well, I mean, it's, it, I think it's one of those things where we can't, we can't ignore what's going on overseas because I mean, truth be told, if we don't deal with it over there, it's going to end up on our shores sooner than later. And I think with the open borders we've had over the past three to four years, I think it's it's inevitable that something's going to happen on, on our shores. 
is it going to be to the same magnitude that will happen in Israel? I don't think so. At least uh, that's what I think. But it has to be dealt with. At the same time, it's almost like we're supporting that. And I mean, at this point, it's pretty much out in the open. It's We're pretty much just supporting a proxy war. So we don't have to really have our own boots on the ground to fight a war against the, an enemy that we have. Unfortunately, we created that enemy over time. Um, I don't think the Middle East would have been as radicalized as it is had we not gone in there and just been completely greedy with all the oil that, that's been that's been taken out of that region for our consumption here. Same thing with Russia. If we hadn't been, if we hadn't kept encroaching on, on Russia's territory with NATO, even though we signed the you know a treaty with them basically 30 years ago after the fall of the Soviet Union, that we wouldn't we wouldn't basically encroach on their ter- territory. I don't think we would have seen Russia go into Ukraine and try to take some of that tor- some of that ter- territory back. And unfortunately, we're paying for it out of our nose. And it's it's not the American people that that created these enemies. It's our political class that have done that over time. So those are the real fucking evil people on the face of this earth. Here's an interesting share for you. We're talking about the stock of of these companies that provide defense assistance, you know. Mm -hmm. So here is the year to date. Mm-hmm. This is where we are. This is Lockheed Martin worth $445 per share. Mm-hmm. You see where its lowest is, where it dips down here. Do you see the day on that? Uh, let's see here. I can't let's actually see, see the date. October 6th. Yep. How about that? That's, that's its lowest <laughs> all year, the very next day. Yeah. Show Raytheon. Raytheon Martin. Let's see. Year to date. Yeah, it's the same thing. Lowest. Yeah. Yeah. And five all year. Lowest. Mm-hmm. What about Nor- Northrop Grumman? Yeah. Yep. About that. Wow. Yep. Oh my God. (laughs) So for for those who who can't actually see on October 5th, Northrop Grumman was $420 a share. Go to the sixth. I mean, you could just go to what it is now. Yeah. 464. Yeah. 464. So went up so it's $45 basically a 40 yeah 44 40 $45. yeah it went up basically 10% within a month's time since this engagement mm-hmm. yeah let's see what Boeing looks like I'm sure it's the same thing uh, interesting Boeing stock actually it. dropped had a little yeah. little bit of a spike on this, like right around the seventh or eighth. Yeah, but don't forget, Boeing is primarily aircraft, aircraft right? Yeah. Lock, Lockheed Martin is is involved in missiles as well. Now, if you see that there's a conflict and a potential for, you know, the, the, there's the potential that it might spread 
Uh-huh. You know, it's being a worldwide conflict. What's one thing that you're not going to want to do? You're not going to want to travel. Yeah. Well, they they also, I mean, <laughs> Boeing also does a lot of um, um, bombers, which we don't, we aren't necessarily. I mean, I don't really have a lot of involvement. <laughs> yeah, travel took a nosedive right after that. I mean, it was it was skinning anyway. Yeah, the highest all year was in October, August or July rather. What about um the Sikorsky? Is Sikorsky um publicly traded? Because they make a lot of helicopters. I guess so. Sikorsky, what they look like. I don't know. I looked up. It just diverted to Lockheed Martin. I mean, maybe it's a subsidiary of it. Oh, that's interesting. So you know, Sikorsky is lifted and listed in here. Sikorsky, Lockheed Martin. Yeah. Interesting to know for yeah. Pratt and Whitney. Whitney stock. Let's see if there's anything like this. Oh. Same thing. They were they were skidding, got to their lowest. That was August or October fifth. Yep. And then they they've been increasing. Kind of look like they're starting to dip a little bit now as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's what you're like. A lot of these defense stocks, they do. I guess they do stop plummeting uh, when you get to a certain point. Yeah, it's like uh, we got to get better shareholder value. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the meme from? Uh... From Austin Powers, um, or the the evil woman says, "Cue the, cue the whatever, cue whatever monster it is, or something like that." So, they're um, yeah, their stock is dropping. Cue another war, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. It's... That's crazy. That's yeah, it is. I mean, it is. You you talk about how you know how we stay involved in this, and people do talk about how you know. Of course, we're getting involved in another conflict. There's a way to to help their stocks out, and but when you actually see the numbers, you know these aren't. It's not like these aren't small time investors. You know these aren't people with like just like you know three or four stocks. You know they might have earned a hundred bucks. Like time add that times like a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's fucking insane. It's insane how much money people are making off of war. Yeah, that's why. That's why um, Eisenhower warned us of that back after yeah. when he was leaving office. What's that? Yeah the the military industrial complex. Yeah. 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 isn't it doesn't it i don't want to say it's fascinating but isn't it awful that you have companies that are really profiting off of human misery and suffering it's horrific and not to say that you know there are other companies that kind of fuck people over but these are specifically you know specifically geared toward human suffering it's awful it's awful to think about 
Like I can make money when people die or people get limbs blown off or somebody has some radical ideology and tries to fucking kill some other people. I make money off of that. It's horrific. It is. It really is. I, I really hope that this gets some kind of exposure. I mean, what I, I, I'm guaranteed, I guarantee that it doesn't, you know, I mean, just, I wish people would talk about this more, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, it, it stays, you know, tucked away on a ham radio show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of government takeover of private sectors at all. But in this case, when it comes to defense spending and defense contractors and all that other stuff, I feel like there's a significant conflict of interest with that between, you know, between these corporations being privately held, being for-profit companies, which they're the mantra of basically any for-profit country is increase shareholder value. And you do that by increasing output of your product what product do these people put out war machines when you use war machines in war so <laughs> the only time they're really making money is when there's war going on so then they have incentive to basically keep promoting for more war and who are some of the largest shareholders of these companies is our elected officials mm-hmm who have who have the power to to basically declare war so there's a major fucking conflict of interest with this oh yeah they're deciding when those products are going to be used yeah you know and it's not only about selling off the product it's also about product replacement yeah because if if you have five tanks and three of them get blown up you you might be trying to expand that five tanks to ten tanks but you're also going to replace those three tanks and now you're getting eight of them mm-hmm and also so, in, in research and development over time for better products. Exactly. Exactly. I, this is this is to me, this is the one sector that I I strongly believe the military should take over 100 percent There shouldn't be private corporations for for defense contractors, as far as I'm concerned. Because there there's too much there's yeah, but there's too much money to be made. It'll never happen. I that's the problem yeah. now is that it's yeah. you you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point i like that <laughs> you're right though yeah uh, I, yeah i mean when when there's not wars in in battlefields we've got wars going on in uh in gop elected officials with <laughs> kevin mccarthy elbowing dudes with in the kidneys and these checking these, uh, these are crazy it's these are crazy. It's, and I, it's fucking insanity. I mean, you got just like you're saying, you got Kevin McCarthy that apparently elbowed uh, Representative Tim Burchett from from Tennessee in the back, give him a kidney shot. I think Tim Burchett basically chased him down the hallway, and say, "Why'd you walk behind me and elbow me in the back?" I and uh, you know. To no one's surprise, Tim Burchett is one of the guys that basically voted to ouster Kevin McCarthy as speaker and even voted against him a significant number of times The original, you know, back in January when they were trying to vote in a speaker of the House. 
So what a fucking disaster. I like I, I don't know. So there's that, then you I got... love this one. The, the Republican Senate Senator Mullen of Oklahoma and the, the Teamsters <laughs> president. That's probably my favorite. It's just like I thought there was I saw somebody who I know who's not involved in politics at all. They had something on Facebook and they're just I thought there was going to be furniture moving around in Congress today. <laughs> So I mean, oh, those, I haven't heard just this, 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 uh, this audio is I sure hilarious. Working pretty hard and long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time. This is a place. If you want to run your mouth. We can be two consenting adults. We Look at this lady here. behind him. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, stop it. Is that your Sorry. solution? Every poll. No, no, sit down. Uh, I love it. You're an no, elected no, you're official. Stand it up. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Jim. it. Hold it. If Hold we can't, no, I have the mic. Said. I'm sorry. This is Hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Hold Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. This is a hearing. <laughs> and God knows the American people have enough of contempt for Congress. Let's not I don't make like it worse. Thugs and you, you have, and that's you I don't mind. like you. It's two little Hold kids. Right yourself. Hold it. You have the mic. Yeah. You have time. All make right. Your statement. Then let's do this. Because I did challenge you, and I accepted your challenge. <laughs> and you went quiet. Hey, no, pause it for a second. You challenged me to a cage match, no, no, acting no. like a two. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, you didn't. <laughs> they, they are like two children, so they really are. You challenged <laughs> me to a cage match, like a twelve-year-old. <laughs> He's got like this Bostonian South <laughs> accent. He does. He does, which is like fitting for like you know the a the teamster the, boss. Exactly. Like either that or somebody from Philly. Boston, Philly, or Chicago would be like the quintessential fucking Teamster boss. And the Teamster boss? I'm not fucking with a Teamster boss. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, they're a little nutty. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this guy behind him. <laughs> Look at the guy with the hat? The guy with the hat, yeah. <laughs> I know it's a shadow, but he's got like a little Eddie Munster thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fucking widow's peak right there. Oh, my goodness. This guy, this guy he looks like he sleeps upside down in a closet and ready to swoop out and drink his blood. <laughs> He's probably came out during the day. What a difference these two have. Daywalker. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then, you know, and from there we got fucking Representative James Comer calling Representative uh, Jared Moskowitz from Florida a fucking smurf because of the blue suit he has on. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I don't think, is this, oh, I don't, it's not even going to let me play it. Is it? Is this the, is this the, this is the audio. This is the video from it. No, I, I don't know that. So that, that that's George Santos. Maybe if you scroll down, you should be able to find it. Is that, yeah, yeah. It's pot, like no, it's that's just a picture. A yeah, let's have, we'll have to see if we can find it. I would try to find it and share it on my computer, but apparently I can't share anything. Who is this? Comer? Comer? Yeah, James James Comer and Jared Moskowitz. Yeah, right there. Yeah, there you go. How is that the case? Like you're not. How are they not going to have <laughs> mental health? They have to dust up. <laughs> it's 
going to get an ad. Oh, God, Harry and David. This episode of Ocho and Siv is unofficially <laughs> sponsored by Harry and David. <laughs> Gourmet pears. Uh, Completely false. I've never loaned my brother one penny. My father, who was a dentist, had some farmland. He died, and my brother couldn't afford. He wanted to sell it, but he wanted to keep it in the family, so I bought it from my brother. That story that you tweeted also said I had a shell company. That is bullshit. For, for claim, for claiming my time. No, I'm for, not going to give you your time back. We can stop the clock. For, you all continue to. You look like a Smurf here, going <laughs> around and all this stuff. Now, listen, Mr. Chairman, you no, have. No, I'm you, no, no, hold, hold on. If we're, you if we're not on time, we you, disinformation. You, you, you have. Cheers for him calling this guy out for for disinformation. Nice. And for calling him a Smurf. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I mean, I obviously I sent it to you earlier, but for any any of the listeners. Uh, <laughs> I, I did I did send out a tweet earlier today. I said um something along the lines of if if Representative James Comer calls um Representative Jared Moskowitz a Smurf, then who's Gargamel? If you guys recall from the Smurfs, Gargamel was the evil old evil guy with the with the balding head. If you go back to the Well, we to need the... to have Osriel too. Somebody's gotta be Osriel. <laughs> I, I I think if you go back to the to the video of um of uh, Senator Mullen from Oklahoma th- uh, threatening to throw down with uh, the guy from the Teamsters, if you look at Bar- Bernie Sanders, he kind of resembles Gargamel a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that it's it's crazy. He's just bringing everybody back to back to kind of earth, yeah. if you will. I mean, yeah. Well, who would it be Azrael? Could it be so? Ezrael's yeah, basically um, Gargamel's evil cat. So it could be Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Nancy Pelosi. Any of the above. Yeah, well, it's Gargamel. You got this guy. Well, and, and let me tell, let me show you his hearing because I want to I want to expose this thug to who he is. Oh, you're not pointing me. That's disrespectful. Right. I don't care about respecting you at all. I, respect I don't respect you, you at all. So all right, hold let me, let me hold <laughs> just going back and forth. I don't disrespect. You don't want to hold it. The most hold it, please. Acted. Please. All right. This is a, excuse me. Mm-hmm. This is a hearing to discuss economic issues. All right. If you have questions. So what have they got a teamster on there for? Or anybody else on what he has said, go for it. I mean, but we're not here to talk about fights or I'm... anything else. <laughs> he had a bone to pick, man. He was going to do it. This was the time. Uh-huh. This was the place. He said it at the beginning. <laughs> oh, man. Shots fired amongst Republicans this week. I like Shots it. Fired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a I mean, you've got nightmare. conflicts in, in Israel. You've got conflicts in Congress. You see this whole thing with the Secret Service that, that they've... There was a the president's granddaughter was involved. Yeah, I guess. So I'm looking into this, and, and apparently, Secret Service uh, member 
that was uh, assigned to protect Naomi Biden, President Joe Biden's granddaughter, opened fire on Sunday after three people allegedly tried to break into a Secret Service vehicle. Multiple agents were in Washington's Georgetown neighborhood just before midnight when officials say they saw three people breaking into their unoccupied SUV, the Secret Service confirmed to USA Today. Now, there's a few things from this, which I think is, is, is so hypocritical. And number one, um, there's a shot that was fired, or the people of the Democratic Party anti-gun. And yep. I get it. I get it. Because initially the story was pitched as the the president's granddaughter was involved in a, in a potential carjacking. Uh-huh. And now we're looking at free. When you actually read the article, I mean, here's the difference. And we've talked about this before. You read the headline, right? Secret Service agent protecting Joe Biden's granddaughter fires, fires after group tried to break into SUV. Now, it was also pitched initially as a potential carjacking. We go on to see in this article that not only was this not a carjacking, but this was also an unoccupied SUV. Mm. So it's an unoccupied vehicle. Somebody tried to break into it. Like, that's not a death sentence. Okay. I mean, anybody will tell you, like, you don't get, especially here in Connecticut. I mean, Connecticut's a place where, and I know rules are different, but this is Washington, D.C. Washington's fairly democratic portion of the United States as Mm -hmm. any any metropolitan area is but we're, we're talking about somebody who is breaking into an unoccupied vehicle there was no other human i mean basically what the line in the sand is per se is if a, another life is in danger that's when you know you meet deadly force with deadly force yeah like this is an unoccupied inanimate object that's now being broken into and shots are being fired on this for what reason People end up getting into an S or like a, a red car and took off. So not only were they being fired on by the Secret Service, but it looks like they got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even catch these people. <laughs> Look at me now, bitch. But the thing is, is I mean, it, it was it kind of forced the media to put up the statistic about how, you know, car thefts and carjackings are up ninety eight percent. Ninety eight percent. Everything's up. Insanity. But that's one of the most staggering statistics. I mean, especially when this involves something with, with a, you know, a motor vehicle being stolen. Or yeah. Carjacked, whatever. Put it all under the same category. But it's just, it's nutty to me because so often lately in the past couple of years, those statistics are kind of getting swept under the rug. And it's just like kind of talked about once in a while, we'll talk about, you know, raising crime rates. and But yet we're closing prisons throughout the country. So if crime's mm-hmm. going up, how are we letting people onto the street? It just doesn't make any sense. Is it because we feel pressured because the United States is looked at for um, it's basically having the highest per capita incarceration population yeah. in the world? I mean, possibly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't decrease crime by ignoring the crime that's occurring it's and and that that that's what you're doing just by closing prisons like oh let's let's decrease crime by just you know decreasing the number of places where criminals can be in prison that that's not how you decrease crime you you have to look at the root of the problem and i can't imagine that 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 you know lonely me okay the civ from the ocho and the civ podcast was the only intelligent person in the United States to say that you need to look at the root of the problem as to why crimes are being committed. 
what's going on with these people. I mean, we just talked about this at, at the beginning of, of this episode. I can't imagine that again, you know, we'll say, well, we're the only two people in the United States that can have that figured out. I, I have to imagine that the people in Washington, D.C., our elected representatives are smart enough to understand that themselves and should be addressing the root cause of the problem. But instead, they're not. They have no incentive to. And yet now that problem that they're ignoring is now encroaching on their territory. So it'd be interesting to see what are they going to do about it now that it's affecting them directly as opposed to just the rest of us commoners that they supposedly represent, even though realistically they don't. What's going to happen now? Are we going to see any change in, in how harshly we, we, we treat some of these criminals? Are we going to see any change in once these criminals get into the into the prison system? Is there anything that's going to be done to really help these people, you know, really get their lives back back to where they should be? Are they reformed people once again, or or are they just, you know, a piece of trash that that's going to be, you know, going through the revolving the revolving door of prison on a on a, a you know throughout their entire life? <clears throat> Is there a true change that's going to come to this? I, I, I'm I'm very skeptical that any change is going to occur and things are just going to get worse over time. 100%. 100%. Oh, man. I, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. When we first started this, this show, it was in the midst of the beginning of the craziness with COVID. And even then we're like, things can't get any fucking worse than what they are. And yet here we are. Here we are. Three and a half years later, and it's like every week we're like, wow, things really can't get worse. And they just like we just keep upping the fucking ante. <laughs> it's like it's, a, it, the era of hold my beer. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, hold my fucking can of beer, then it's like hold my fucking forty ounce bottle. Then it's like, you know, hold my fucking liter of, of uh or whatever <laughs> yeah now it's like you know hold my fucking keg like, jesus christ what the hell's next the whole brewery yeah christ almighty what a fucking world we live in nowadays tune in next week for our next bitch fest <laughs> <laughs> cool. should, should we just change the name to this to fucking hold my bear because it's like each week we the things just keep getting fucking worse <laughs> Two middle-aged crybabies <laughs> drinking bourbon and fucking sweet tea or whatever you're drinking over there, <laughs> complaining about the old days. <laughs> oh man! Uh, At least the holidays man. are coming. <laughs> oh yeah, so much to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Any questions? Send them to Ocho and the Civ at yahoo.com. Yes, sir. Till then. Find yourself in serious shit. Number eight. Never keep no weight on you. Them cats that squeeze your guns can hold jumps too.